0: I think it is just being wildly irresponsible in the way it portrays different characters. I think from the moment any character is put on screen, you can tell whether they have devil horns or a halo over their head. And the movie never wavers in that. It never makes you question it. It never hesitates. It doesn't want to show a darker side of any good character or a good side of any evil character.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning Podcast. This is review number 467 with our review of Detroit. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, as we mentioned, we are talking about the latest film from Catherine Bigelow. It is Detroit and uh as we're talking about this film um you know the the tagline on like the big banner poster for this is it's time we knew so when you're dealing with films that talk about real life events and especially when like you're claiming that like we need this is the story that has not been told up until this point is kind of what this film is is potentially going to at least the marketing material is is going for that way. Right. So the question to start this episode off is when you are basing your film on real life and trying to tell the true story, what do what do you feel you owe to the watchers of this film and to the people who went through the events and to just, just, just truth in general? Like right. what, what are are you When you tackle a story like this from this angle, is your job to tell a really compelling story that's really interesting to the watcher or is your job to try to be as accurate as possible? Like are you doing a basically narrative documentary or are you doing a a fictional story that is just supposed to wow you? Uh
0: Right. And and I think – so not only are there clearly different camps on this issue, I think I change my mind very subjectively depending on the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Like there are there are certain types of movies where I don't care. Typically of like, the biopic, s-
1: like Steve Jobs. <laughs> sure. Yeah.
0: I I was going to mention that. Like Steve Jobs for instance, things of the biopic variety where the goal the goal of those films is to get to the character of a person and weave together anecdotal things with fictional things to try to paint paint a picture of the person in maybe like a form, a more filmic world than the one they actually live in yeah right uh, there are those kind of movies or i don't know like just in general there are definitely historical films where i have no problem with people screwing with the order of events dunkirk for example yeah based yeah. on a true story i could not care less whether any of that is realistic whether that was modified completely for the screen it, it just doesn't bother me it doesn't it doesn't feel like slander, and right. I think.
1: And I, th- I think, like with Dunkirk, per- excuse me, with Dunkirk specifically, I kind of saw that as this is a setting, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even watching it. Like, I can't believe this pilot guy did this, or this guy on the beach. I just thought it was like this is the scenario, and this film shows you what people were going through in that scenario, right? Which feels completely different than when you're watching a film to theoretically learn about what happened in in a situation.
0: Yeah. So I, I think there's one category of film, which is the, the biopic style film where it's either meant to be portraying a specific person in a positive light, or it's really just meaning to like everyone watching the film is buying into the fact that we're watching a fictional account. Like there's this kind of, this area of films where I think doesn't matter at all if it's true. Um, there are other levels which are kind of in between like Selma comes to mind where it didn't bother me that they rewrote Martin Luther King's speeches and like made things that didn't happen be spoken with the authority as if he had said them. Yeah. Um I didn't personally mind that because I thought it was like in service to a important story and it was like going with the spirit of his words even if it wasn't the letter of his words but yeah, like yeah. I understand people who feel that it's not cool to just like make up speeches that people didn't say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there are movies that are trying to paint people in a very negative light, and that I think is where it gets really, really risky. Um, but again, I'm like, I'm inconsistent. Like, Thirteen Hours is that what it's called?
1: yeah the Benghazi yeah yeah yeah
0: Yeah, that that was portrayed as like you know the untold story of the soldiers of Benghazi right but there was just something about the filmmaker where I was like well we all know this isn't real so like (laughs) I don't care I don't care that John Krasinski also (laughs) (laughs) every good movie has a John Krasinski and a a surprising cameo yeah Um, yeah but anyway so uh, I don't know I think it feels it has to do with the spirit of the film but then there are movies that are really painting people in a negative light. Um, I kind of think of, we talked about Stanford Prison Experiment before, uh, where it's portraying people, the unbelievable true story of what happened, and it is portraying people in just a kind of like monstrous or very, very, very negative light. And that, to me, I feel more uncomfortable. When the joy of a story is, I can't believe this actually happened, I think you do owe it to the audience to be like, Either very clear about what happened, or throw in enough fantasy <laughs> that people know for sure that it didn't happen.
1: Or, or you can do like um, Michael Bay did with Pain and Gain, where it's just continually flashing on the screen, "This actually happened." Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and like I, basically, yeah, I, th- I think it's about if the filmmaker is doing it in good faith or not. If they're trying, yeah. if they're trying to get your attention by saying, "Can you believe this actually happened? Aren't you outraged right now?" Then, I feel like they have set a much higher bar for themselves than if they are saying this is telling the story of a place and time yeah. right
1: and and I think like i like like you, I bounce back and forth and I kind of enter a film with something on my mind, mm-hmm. like I don't care if all of the events of the Steve Jobs movie were completely fictional mm-hmm. if it's communicating the essence of what the man was. And that's what like the filmmakers, the you know, writer director are trying to do is communicate through these three moments. Like that is really interesting to me, and mm-hmm. I I'm totally happy for that. Um, other things where I'm just sort of like along for the ride of seeing some stuff that happened. Um, like you know the movie Unbreakable, um, yeah. not you know not the M Night one, but the Angelina Jolie one. Mm-hmm. Um, but like things like that where I'm like, okay, there's this, this event happened. I'm unbroken, just, right? Unbroken, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, same. It's basically the same sure. word. <laughs> um, but uh, the, like, you know, watching things where it's like based on a real uh, life story or even uh, I think when we talked about the the finest hours or whatever. right? yeah, Is that yeah the, sure. Um, like even watching that movie. I didn't like that movie. But I happened to be sitting in a theater next to a guy who had served with the main character in real life and it was like oh wow this is rad like yeah. <laughs> this person here is he, like he didn't he didn't speak to all of the events in the film but he spoke to the character of the person it was like no that's exactly how this guy was right mm-hmm. um that kind of stuff is interesting with me i think i think the real test of a film is if you ask yourself, what if this isn't how it happened? Does that change what you think about the film? Or does that fly in the face of what the filmmaker is trying to do? And I think that's sort of like the litmus test for it, right? And
0: and what's interesting is that that is kind of answering the what do you owe the audience question. But I feel like by proxy, it also answers what do you owe the people involved? Because like, if the point of the film is to provoke a thought or feeling in the audience, I don't think the people the film is about they have a right to not like the way they were portrayed, but I don't think they can feel wronged. But if the goal of the film was to, like, convince you that something was true, then I think they have every right in the world to feel that they were obligated a truthful telling, right? Yeah, yeah. I
1: guess it it depends on (laughs) if you're, like, completely defaming a person Mm -hmm. and, like, blaming an entire thing on somebody, then maybe there's an issue with that, right? (laughs) Like the Ted Mosby movies.
0: (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess so that we've gotten that out of the way. Okay. Uh, we, Basically, in, in general, I'm not a stickler for the truth. It's only if I like if I think the falsehood is not in service to something, that, yeah, that's yeah. when it becomes a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, we've got that out of the way. Let's mm-hmm. let's go ahead and uh, take a break. Listen to the trailer and then we'll go come back and maybe fold some of those comments back into this film and, and kind of talk about what we thought of it. What happened at the motel? You don't know. I tell you. I was working security by Wisconsin, and on Tuesday night, we heard gunfire coming from the area near the Algiers. Police was there. There was a lot of shooting.
0: When I went in there, three kids had been killed.
1: No. So they were killed right
0: before you got there. Sir. You
1: carry a 38, right? A revolver. You carry a revolver. I do have a
0: 38. You ever shoot anyone? I didn't do it. Please. Oh, here we go. In Detroit, a city of war, violence continues. We've made state police and national guardsmen available. I'm declaring a public state of emergency. It's a war zone out there, they're destroying the city. Police, I'm just gonna assume you're all criminals. You don't talk about this to anyone ever, understand. I'm trying to help here. Change is coming. They're kids. What's the matter with you? Change is coming. You're going to kill us, man. Change is coming. I need you to survive the night. Survive the night.
1: Melvin, you want to go home?
0: What happened at the motel?
1: All right, that was the trailer for Detroit. Um, The film centers around a riot that happened in Detroit in uh, the 1960s. And uh, during this time, you know, there there was a large riot going on. The um, National Guard was brought in to sort of like try to maintain things as the city was going through some crazy stuff. And uh, at one point in time shots are fired, or the sounds of shots come from the Algiers Hotel. And uh, a bunch of people go in there to try to figure out what's going on. There have been conversations about snipers and things like that in the area. So tensions are high, people run in, and then a bunch of stuff goes down within this hotel that results in some people dead. And this film is sort of showing the events of that, uh, I guess, mini-raid sort of on on this hotel and the events that happened within it and the aftermath of the uh, of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Detroit?
0: So, as we discussed, uh, so we, we watched it together uh, just a couple nights ago, and this was one of those few movies where we could not keep our opinions to ourselves for the walk-home. <laughs> uh, we kind of immediately dove into it yeah um i feel very conflicted about this film and i think the the problem is i think this has a lot of good stuff going for it i think Catherine bigelow is the right sort of person to tell this story with what she was trying to do with it because what she's been specializing in in the past few years has been making making movies that put you in an incredibly tense situation and give you this kind of documentary feeling of what it would be like to be in that area. um, And usually for a very specific purpose of, like, justifying what this does to the human mind and why people might make the decisions they make, right? Like, the, the Hurt Locker wouldn't work if it were just, like, abstractly about some adrenaline junkie. It works because it first puts you in the... F- it puts you in his mindset as he's walking and defusing a bomb and it gives you that kick of adrenaline. Right. And that is, that is what the movie is trying to do. Um, this movie uses that skill to, I think, great effect. Like, I think the, the shaky cam is great in this movie. I think the cinematography is really good. You, you feel what it would be like to have riots break out around you. And it really builds up to be this movie that is, putting you in the moment of, in Detroit in 1967 so it can convey some like emotional truth about how police brutality might start, how riots might start, how different people might feel differently in the same situation. Um, but plot-wise, like, this movie I think you your opening question had a very clear point, <laughs> which is that this is ostensibly telling the true story as best they can of the events that happened at the Algiers Motel, but I think it is just being wildly irresponsible in the way it portrays different characters. I think from the moment any character is put on screen, you can tell whether they have devil horns or a halo over their head. And the movie never wavers in that. It never makes you question it. It never hesitates. It doesn't want to show a darker side of any good character or a good side of any evil character. It just presents like the the most clear case of this is the police officer who they made the center of it all he's a fictionalized character uh, but it looks like he's actually a combination of like all of the officers that were involved in the event um who's just this like 20 something year old guy who the moment we see him he's shooting a black man in the back as he's running away and then going on some rant about how they need to clean up the streets. And his role in this movie is just to be the evil tormentor. Like I I mentioned uh Stanford Prison Experiment. He is John Wayne in Stanford Prison Experiment. Yeah, yeah. He's a guy who <laughs> is a sadistic maniac. He he isn't representative of the actual problem of police brutality any more than uh Money Monster, the bad guy in Money Monster, was representative (laughs) of the problems with Wall Street, right? Like, you could have framed this movie that way. And I think that's what Catherine Bigelow wants to do is frame the movie as, like, let me show you how police brutality happens and why it's a really difficult problem to solve. And, like, she can tip the scales and be on the side of justice, but she still wanted to show it for what it is. And instead, she just put in this ridiculously monstrous character who, in the context of the movie, it just makes no sense the behavior that he exhibits and it doesn't make any sense why people would follow him why they would stand idly by and not do anything it it really just brings the whole thing down for me and the same can be said for every character like i think i think the actors are pretty good here in general with what they have to work with like john boyega is given the role of basically being the denzel washington of this movie like he's going to be the person who is observing <laughs> i i actually think he exudes a lot of that same charisma it's not but just he, me but like he doesn't painting have all a,
1: like the dialogue of a denzel washington
0: right but he he has that that look of like the the person who is better than his circumstance and is looking at a situation and trying to stay level-headed and protect people as well as he can and he just like he has this innate goodness that he's exuding of like even though I'm here in this moment and I am tacitly complicit because I'm really not taking many aggressive stands against the events that are happening. Yeah. I'm the good guy and I'm on your side and I'm trying to help people. And it just, he, he does that well, but it's another role that I think is just not suited for this movie. Like it it undercuts what Catherine Bigelow is trying to do. Um, and like all all the victims again, like they're actors that I like. I like Jack Rayner from Sing Street. I like Caitlin Dever from Short Term Twelve. But here again, they're just uh, they're either like Jack Rayner is basically the good cop, except when he isn't, <laughs> which is a weird a weird portrait <laughs> the, of a person. The worst good cop. Yeah, ever. he's the worst good cop ever. He's a person who exudes like innocence and wide eyed. Not wanting to be a part of this, and then just commits the most heinous act out of nowhere yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know I just think this movie is extremely simplistic, and in the end it just doesn't it doesn 't trust the audience right in instead of depicting things if, even if they don 't know how they are, they might have depicted them how they might be in a universe where humans behave as humans would behave <laughs> um, like <laughs> they could have they sure. could have like simulated the events in a way that make things be gray or muddy or make it so like you never fully know who you sympathize with. Yeah. Um. And so doing like do justice to the actual events that happened. And instead they really decided to tell a narrative where it's like, this guy's a villain, this guy's a villain, this guy's a villain. These are all completely innocent, free people. And like, it, I don't know. It, it, I, I just think it was very irresponsible for them to handle this movie that way. Yeah. And it, it undercuts the story they're trying to tell. Just like, Stanford prison experiment the theory of that is like people when left to their own devices will take a power dynamic and go crazy and exploit each other but instead prison experiment becomes if this guy named John Wayne happens to be there shit's going to go down right <laughs> yeah. because they just paint a villain into extreme i don't know they it it makes things too like good and evil and it doesn't leave any room in the middle for the interesting questions. Yeah. And the end of this movie is a procedural with, for some reason, John Krasinski. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it's just not good. Like the rest of the movie, I think, is well made, if flawed. But the last like 20 minutes of this movie are just dumb and don't need to be there. Yeah. So I don't know, very, very frustrating because it's a well made movie that I think just completely missed the point or did a disservice to whatever it was trying to say.
1: Yeah, and it's weird too because like you know this is a long movie. It's like two and a half hours or Mm -hmm. maybe more. I don't know, Um, but there is essentially three stories that are like this. Film shouldn't be called Detroit. The film should be called the Algiers Incident or whatever. But it's trying to do a lot of things. Like so, you have you have the riot. It's trying to tell a little bit sort of how it started, but it kind of glosses over. Like I was confused about. The incident that actually kicks everything off on, on why the police were doing this raid they were doing. Right. I had to look it up after the fact because it just wasn't clear to me from watching what was unfolding on screen, like why the police were there in the first place. But that's a whole separate issue. But so you have, you have the riot, how it starts, and and the creation of the tension that uh, the event takes place in. Then you have the actual actual incident at the Algiers Hotel and what happened there, you get to witness their accounts of what it is. And then you have this trial that centers around the aftermath of that event. You could do a mini series where it's three parts and you're watching just, uh, you know, fictionalized narrative of the riot itself, just the incident, and then just the trial. Okay. It'd and- be
0: called the O.J. Made in America <laughs> documentary. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, like like that, that's if you want to do what I think Catherine Bigelow wants to do, like that is the type of thing that you would, like, you, that's the way you would want to tell the story because the film is trying to do that. Um, it really should just spend time on one of those three things. Like you would even tell the story as like make the film about the trial and then going backwards. I think, I think one mm-hmm. thing that it does do very well, like, Besides, as you mentioned, set the tone for the surrounding events, and like what it was like to be in a city that was un- under this like you know, occupation by the National Guard, mm-hmm. plus like the riots that were happening, and how like people were coming out to try to put out fires, and they were being sent away by people throwing bricks and stuff at. Them. like it, mm-hmm. it's just the tensions are crazy, and you really feel like it feels like a war zone, right? Mm-hmm. And th- visually, that is communicated in a brilliant way. You really feel the, the, the tension as a whole. But in addition to that, what I thought was really interesting was it portrays how in a courtroom when you have to give yes or no answers, how a truth that you feel you know can be presented as a lack of evidence within a court of law. Like there are scenes where like a person was right out on the other side of a door. Like a person was like, I'm going to go in and do this thing. They went in and that thing happened. But because you're on the stand in a trial and you didn't actually see it happen, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that you were there for that entire event if you weren't actually in line of sight of it and you couldn't really know that in a court of law, justice isn't necessarily on your side. Like you went through hell and you still can't prove without a shadow of a doubt what happened because you had your face shoved into the corner or you were laying on the floor in another room. Like it, it does kind of a good job of like showing, I mean, frustrated is a bad word, but like how infuriating and how unjust it is to go through a thing to know what happened for you and not be able to prove that any of that actually took place. Right. Simply because of, uh the way it's being presented to technicalities yeah technicalities and it's like that part was really interesting but that's not even a focus of Mm -hmm. what this story is doing so it's like there are little gems of very interesting commentary i guess that the film is doing but i think as a whole when i'm watching it i found myself trying to put it through that litmus test of like well if this wasn't true would I be still long for the ride or would I be like, well, fuck that lie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I felt too much like there were still things that are true that I still don't believe reading after the fact that they are true. Right. Mm -hmm. They seem so filmic. And so, so uh, cheesy is probably not the proper word also either, but like there there are elements of the story. I'm like, well, if that wasn't actually a fact that I can verify somewhere else, I would not believe this. Yeah. And, It's weird watching the movie and seeing the characters put through the paces and but then question the narrative structure of it and like wonder if this is being embellished to tell a story. And it's especially when the things surrounding the case, we don't have details. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I 100 percent believe that like the essence of the film is real, like some shady cops did some really bad things. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm totally, like, I'm not denying that happened at all. I'm just the way we are expected to believe things unfolded seems strange to me. And it's like, I really wish I could know more details. And I don't think the film does a good job of sharing the real details. I think it tries to share the ones that paint the picture that it wants to paint. And it's, it's hard to, to deal with, with the way that plays out in the film.
0: Yeah. And there are moments I think where it, it's just very reluctant to give any unsavory details like anything that would complicate the very simple narrative that it's trying to put forth like one one example is we we discussed this there are two female characters who in one line toward the very very beginning of them making an appearance they kind of reference the idea of maybe turning tricks for that night or like Dabble doing something that like could hardly be called prostitution, right? But like just enough for the movie to say that they made that statement Yeah, and so I can it's like, only assume it's like
1: plausibly deny yeah. that they were actual prostitutes Yeah And like
0: I for one thing it should go without saying whether or not you are a prostitute has no bearing on your right to life Or your right to have a gun <laughs> held to your head or, or anything in this movie yeah, 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 but that's exactly the point like like I'm sure in the trial It was at the very least questioned what they were doing at that motel and why they're there but it feels like this movie doesn't trust us with ambiguity. Like it wants to say like everybody who this happened to was perfect and good. They could have been your daughter. They wouldn't have done anything that you wouldn't want. Like, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and it reminded me, we talked a little about Fruitvale station, which had a similar kind of impulse where the, like the tragic events that happened at Fruitvale station were a man was shot by a BART uh, security officer uh, after a, not even a riot, just, like, some, some mayhem broke out, I think, on New Year's Eve. It, it was some kind of event that was going down. Um, and the person had been a drug dealer. And the movie felt this impulse to make him, at the last minute, have changed his mind and decided not to be a drug dealer and save a dead dog, like, a dying dog from the road while he was at it, <laughs> just to hammer in the idea that this happened to a good person. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that impulse... I found like pretty condescending in that movie, but it was such a fresh tragedy, like I, you know, you give it a pass for yeah, painting things in an extra extra glowing uh aspect. But in something like this where the events happened 50 years ago, it it just feels like condescending. Like it feels undercutting. Like rather than saying, you know, police were misusing their authority all over Detroit, it wants to say a really fucking evil police officer misused his authority on the most wonderful perfect people in the world and well, that, that just drives me crazy but that,
1: that's the other weird thing too is it's not just that it's just not that it's not just that a couple of bad apples did something bad to really good people mm-hmm. it's that every other police officer in the film is just perfect upstanding citizen yeah they they even like,
0: make a point of showing them helping them right like yeah, there are yeah, other ones like, that are trying to get them out of the motorlaw but like, motel. like
1: everybody at the at the police force like the the what the station yeah, the, sure. I, whatever like mm-hmm. everybody at the station is like whoa you're not being cool to anybody in the city we have to be good we're good people yeah. you should be good people too and then those three cops proceed to do bad things and just weird that like what you What you should do when you're telling a story like this is, I don't know, like marinate the story in the gray area of things. Like you should be able to at least have a little piece of your brain be on both sides Mm -hmm. of everything and then be like, well, I can't agree with what these people did. But like they were in a tough situation and I could see how bad things could happen in a situation this tense. Like that's that's what you want to do. And this film is not concerned with the gray no at all it at just and, and there's so many the gray
0: there's so many ways you could do that without undercutting like the injustice that happened right you yeah. show, show a third party character like another officer, the security guard could have been this character, show yeah. a character who did not participate in the wrongdoing but doesn't know where they fall or watch that slowly dawn on them that what happened is spiraling out of control. Yeah. They, you easily could have done that as a narrative structure. Like surely they're making up other stuff. I mean, they changed the names of the police officers probably because they're not even laying claim to this being the way that things happened. Um, you just do anything where you humanize the evil. You don't need to make it less evil. You just like humanize it, right? Make it make it be yeah. something you understand.
1: At least understand the fear, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, it, it, spoilers for like the opening scene mm-hmm. for this movie, or like basically the opening scene of the riot. But uh, we're told through like clips of news reports that there were there there had been reports of snipers attacking, um, you know, the the guards at different points in time. And, uh, at some point in time, a little girl looks out a window and a dude on the back with like a 50 caliber like machine gun yeah. says sniper and just blows away this living room. And apparently that's a real thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, but like this, you don't understand really the sense of fear that led to that moment. Like, um, in Clint Eastwood's sniper movie, whatever the it was American called, sniper. the American <laughs> sniper, I I wasn't a fan of that film, but that scene where uh, Bradley Cooper is sitting there having to make the decision whether or not to shoot a child. Right. That scene's fucking amazing. Right. Like you get the sense of like he knows, hey, please like he's talking to the kid. He's like, please, please, please don't pick up the shell. Mm -hmm. Please don't run at those soldiers. He knows he's going to have to take that kid out. If he presents an actual threat, and he's giving him every single ounce of leeway to try to let the kid not be doing what he thinks the kid's doing. And then maybe we don't know because the trailer ends before that happens. (laughs) Yeah, who knows what (laughs) happens there? Who knows what happens there? But like that is a tense moment where you feel what the person's going for. This mm-hmm. is like an extra who yells sniper and just like yeah. blows away a wall. And there's no aftermath even shown. There's right. not even a character. Like, you, you don't get any response to that at all because you're just supposed to get from that that like, well, tensions are high. Kids mm-hmm. are getting blown away because people are scared of snipers. Like, it's not doing something interesting with that and no character, like, sure, the, when, the first time those shots go out, Uh, And everybody's like, oh, snipers from the Algiers Hotel. Like, ah. Mm -hmm. Like, you get a sense of frantic. But the way they stormed that building, like,
0: I... I, It is very unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Like, it it friggin' (laughs) looks like the the Osama Bin Laden takedown.
0: (laughs) And they also... And I think, again, this gets back to the, the main officer, Will Poulter. He, like... His behavior from the moment they walk in that motel is one of like swaggering and being in charge. It isn't someone who's terrified for his life. Like, yeah, yeah. And of course, maybe that's true. Maybe this was an exceedingly terrible dude. But if that is the case, I feel like this is not the story you should be telling if you're trying to get to the heart of the riots, right? Like yeah. it, it doesn't generalize <laughs> And th- it, just like Money Monster, like whatever you thought you were saying, like the moment you injected a crazy monster into this, like it's not going to generalize anymore.
1: Yeah. And it's weird, too, because we never get a like his characters playing so evil, but there mm-hmm. isn't even enough evidence in the film to let us know whether he actually believes the things that make him be that evil. Like right. in the scene where uh, where he's being reprimanded for having shot a looter in the back as they were mm-hmm. running away, his response is like, well, if he didn't do anything, then why was he running? Like, how do I know he didn't just kill somebody in the shop? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? like, there is no evidence that that was an honest-to-God response from him. Mm-hmm. That just sounded like him rambling off something to try to get out of try trouble. to justify like, his murder. Yeah, so, like, we need scenes... I, I mean, I guess we're supposed to get everything we're supposed to from the scene where they're in the car right before he encounters the looter and he's, like, talking about, look what's happened to the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. But that's not enough to understand the character and understand the fear right. that might be driving his evilness. But instead it's just like, well, no, I mean, bad cop, evil dude, Yeah. self-explanatory.
0: Yeah, and, like, they, they don't get into the motivations. And I know they can't know the motivations, but they also don't know the way he behaved in that motel. So I think if you're going to take artistic license with one part you have a burden to take artistic license with the other right i I think that's basically what i'm getting at If if you have to invent a level of sadism that you just can't possibly know from a court transcript if you have to do that fine but counteract it with something somewhere that at least makes him a believable sadist yeah yeah um i'm it's curious too because like I feel like Catherine Bigelow has handled difficult moral things before, right? Like Zero Dark Thirty, the big thing was that they showed torture happening. You know, they had scenes with waterboarding. Yeah. And people disagreed over whether it was condoning it or not condoning it in the movie. But what they gave you instead was the character of Jessica Chastain, who is at least the kind of horrified observer, right? She she is She's someone who you see the world through and you feel the moral ickiness at it and she kind of was able to communicate the idea that the movie isn't going to tell you this is all evil or this is all good and worthwhile and the end justify the means we're just going to show it to you and leave you unsettled and make you make up your mind yeah and whatever faith in the like like maybe the response to that movie like people thinking it was justifying torture maybe that just made them lose all faith in audiences but it feels like they really have no faith now yeah
1: Uh, there's other things too that because we don't we don't know exactly what led to everything we just know the basics of the outcome of the event and what people have testified to later on in the fact there are things too about the characters the incident happened to that I found confusing once again from a narrative standpoint and that is like there's a scene that I I actually really really liked um the the character who ends up setting off the event um there's a scene moments before that where he is sort of portraying to the two characters that we had just been following what it's like to be a black man in a city overrun by cops that like, don't aren't looking out for you. Right. Yeah. That like think there's something wrong about your existence and are going to treat you like crap. And there's this extended sequence where, where they're, he's sort of like running them through like a pat down, a stop for his like, type type of thing. And, and, that is a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like okay, like like the characters yeah. get it, the people involved get it, and I feel to have that same character who just went off on that dialogue yeah. and showed why you don't fuck around in the city mm-hmm. to then go off and antagonize the the national guard slash right. policeman. Like that was like I I didn't buy that character right. Even if he did one thing, like, I'm just going to, you know, pop the shot off just to scare somebody, to do it to the level that it was portrayed at in this film, I don't buy that at all. Right, like, it's, I, it's
0: a very unbelievable mashup, especially because they made those two things happen minutes apart from each yeah, other. Yeah,
1: they're, they're, they're the two things back to back, that it's like a thing that explains why he would never do this ever, directly followed by him doing the thing that he is like, saying that he would, wouldn't would want to do mm-hmm. and i that just seems like it's just crazy to me <laughs> yeah
0: what, what what's weird that i'm realizing is i think this knew how to be a well-made film and it knew how to have a powerful plot but never at the same time yeah like the the one place where i think the the plot and the social message was actually like very clear and powerful was the procedural at the end right like like you were mentioning, it really showcases how things could get overturned in court. It yeah. shows like how much power the police have in that moment. And it's the one time when you see a crowd of policemen cheering for these men who very clearly murdered people yeah. because they got off. Um, but it's also like a really dumb part of the movie. And then yeah. the, the middle part is, I think, pretty phenomenally shot. I have no problem with the filmmaking in general here.
1: Yeah, the filmmaking is, is great, yeah. like um, for the most part across the board. Um. I obviously on this podcast, I'm usually the one that least cares about the filmmaking. Mm -hmm. But I I think that there the 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 use of the imagery is great in this film. And you really feel the situation at any like you feel that the camera is like you being there. Right. And that has a level of 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 power and authenticity Mm -hmm. um, that is impressive. But it's just What it's being coupled with is the thing that makes me less impressed with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. I'm going to say something that might sound like super dumb or social justice warrior-y, but (laughs) I'm I'm just going to throw it out here because it's a feeling I have. I think it's really, really, really hard for a white filmmaker to make a good movie about a subject like this. Yeah. Because either they're going to go at it too hard and be like offensive and stupid right like yeah. they're just going to paint characters in like a really bad brush or try to do like a blue lives matter type thing or they're going to do what i think Catherine bigelow did here which is like try to bend over backwards to make it clear what side she was on and what story she wanted to promote and i just think like a movie like this needs to have guts and i think you really need someone who is like has credibility in these kind of topics to have the guts to show the messiness. Like Spike Lee comes to mind. Like in, in Do the Right Thing, there's a riot scene, like a very intense riot scene that happens. And those characters are not saints in that movie. Like Spike Lee has no qualms with showing you racism on all sides, like racism between the Italians and the Irish and the black people and the Asians and the police officers. And it like he has no problem showing you everything as this like very terrifying pressure cooker that's about to explode. Yeah. But I I really just think there's a certain level of like timidness or I don't I don't wanna say being a coward, but it like there's something of wanting to tread so lightly that it, it's offensive by virtue of like not being willing to say anything.
1: Yeah. I do you do you think she could have got away with making a film that was more ambiguous?
0: To some degrees, I think. Um it, it's just a hard nuance to strike. Yeah. Um, especially following Zero Dark Thirty, like doing another film where it maybe seems to justify a terrible thing that happened is like, I understand the hesitation there. Um, but also like she chooses what movies to direct. She could have just not touched this one if she didn't want to. Yeah, I, I think you could definitely make John Boyega's character less of a saint. In fact, I think that would tell a more compelling story. Show Show that a black officer could also get swept up in this and be found on the wrong side of this kind of issue. So
1: so what I what I wish is that the film did make it, like it is so clear from the filmmaking that he was just there trying to help them get through. like he has trying like, to minimize collateral damage. Yeah, like basically. his one line in, in, in the trailer is, I need you to survive the night. Mm-hmm. He's like, look, this situation is fucked. There is no unfucking it. Just do what you need to do to survive until morning mm-hmm. and everything will be okay. And that is sort of why... He, that's the way his character is painted for the story as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think that where his character ends up by the end of the film makes no sense to me. Like it just, it just doesn't work uh, at all. Mm. Like there, there is a, there is a reveal um, for that character um, towards the end before like the procedural stuff starts happening. And it's like, when that happened, I was like, how? Yeah. (laughs) it, It just didn't make sense to me. And I think that, like he could have been the one gray character in the entire story
0: sure that would be so easy i'm sure in real life that's what it is like no one knows exactly what happened
1: yeah yeah like it's but i mean for every time he comes in he's clearly and maybe that's just john Boyga's acting like he clearly is like shit something is not right here how do i not put myself between this bad situation, but make sure that I'm always around so that this guy, like he kind of has that presence of not wanting the really, really bad, like the Mm -hmm. devil cop to ever be in any room alone with any other person. Like he kind of has that, like, well, as long as I'm here, this guy won't do too much because maybe I'll be in my presence will be enough to Mm -hmm. make him not do that. Right. Like I, I just feel that like when a character is like that, unless the arguments against him are being made like, uh, you know, like the Seinfeld, uh, good Samaritan law type thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like, unless that is kind of what, how his character is going to be attacked from the, the storytelling standpoint, if that's not what you're doing, then what are you doing? Um, And
0: I think he, he's ripe for that criticism. Like John Boyega sells him as a very good natured person who's trying to do the right thing. But like, Honestly, after gunshot number two goes off, like you fucking say something like you are in a position of authority, you are much yeah. less threatened than the other people there it It really and and that 's where it feels like this movie was trying to make an editorial slant because the the real life security guard was one of the main contributors to this film in terms of eyewitness accounts, yeah, and it really feels like it paid that off, just like Dr. Dre and Straight out of Compton. it paid it off by making him the most unbelievably perfect person even when i can think of many criticisms you could at least tentatively throw at him right of like (laughs) hey you're not all you're cracked out to be like you should feel guilty about what happened not just that an evil went down but that you could have tried to stop it and you did nothing yeah and that, that would have a more interesting social message too right of maybe you aren't You know, like like the broader police force, like maybe you aren't the quote bad apple, but if you are standing in silence and supporting it, then you are contributing to the problem. Yeah. And that that would have been way more interesting than just making him be this heroic observer who seems to just know implicitly that he can take no action that will enact real change. So he's just going to stand there as like a kind of fatherly figure and hope the worst doesn't happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was just it was just a strange choice sort of all the way around
0: yeah yeah i feel that um i think that anthony mackie might be the only uh victim character who actually presents an interesting gray area because he is one character who has a clear moral compass that they try to bring to light and it's very clear that he does not agree with these guys and he resents it but he also doesn't I don't know if there are spoilers for this movie or not. He doesn't heroically take a stand. There's a moment in the film where he basically agrees to be silently complicit, right?
1: Yeah, I guess I'm confused by where his moral compass part of the story comes into play.
0: I mean, it, I think it establishes him in general as a sort of protector of the girls, right? Like, his, Like his role... He's not painted as a bad dude by any means. He's, like, generally trying to get out of there alive, but trying to do it conscientiously. Yeah. Um, And it presents him with, like, a few moral gray areas where he doesn't always make the most heroic decision in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And he's honest to God, the only person I can think of that you can even say that about. Like, someone who failed a moral test, but you are not demonizing.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah so so one one thing too if I can chine uh for a second one thing that I couldn't help thinking about uh is in a city where this is like this is at night this like cacophony is happening, and you have three four groups of of uh essentially authoritative forces you have um you have the the city police you have the detroit state police mm-hmm. You have uh or, or, sorry, not <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the state police, the, the the local city police, you have um the National Guard National Guard, and then you have private security forces mm-hmm. all acting within close proximity of this place. And you've seen the evil bad police officers, even some of the good police officers, essentially when somebody trips over a lamp and they see a flash, they just shoot the shit. Out of all of the windows in the top floor of the hotel, yeah. but like John Boyega can walk in the back door holding a shotgun, and everybody's like, "Oh, cool, what's up, bro?" Yeah, <laughs> like I I feel like they like one thing we don't see is how the tension like there was no friendly fire, there was no scenes of people like mistaking people for other people, like it just it felt very strange to me that everybody could freely charge full speed into a building that's already been, like... Like, people are being... Th- like, anybody who moves is either shot out or grabbed and thrown against a wall. Yeah. And random police force members from different groups who are not working together at all mm-hmm. can just charge into a room and everybody's just like, cool, he's yeah. on our team. <laughs> like, that that sort of was a thing that I... Like, I thought for sure that John Boyega's character was gonna have some shit go down with him, <laughs> like, at some yeah. point in time. Um Because it didn't make sense to me why the evil police men would like see an armed black man run into the building and, and not even flinch at it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just seemed, no, no, that's very strange to me. It it
0: kind of undercuts the idea of this being such a tense situation, right? It's like they're able to keep a level head about lots of things. Yeah. I, I also think it, Again, with the Good Samaritan stuff, like it could have been a lot more damning about all those other police officer type people. Right. This is I I don't know if you ever saw Walks with Bashir, uh, but it it talks about this uh, basically a a genocide that happened uh, in Lebanon that was committed by a bunch of different people. But basically there were lots of different armies involved, including the Israeli armies that just stood by while people massacred another group of people in, like, a very terrible way. And the movie is kind of about people coping with the fact that they just stood there and did nothing because they were, quote, on the same side. and. I don't need this to be the kind of melodramatic movie where we watch all of them break out in tears and realize what horrible people they are. Yeah. But I want like at least someone to not be painted as a great dude because he walked away. Yeah. yeah. And this movie really paints it as like they're mostly pretty good dudes who got caught in a bad situation.
1: But there's also... (laughs) I know which side are we talking about? Because there's some people on the police or the authoritative side um, who are like... I'm not going to be a bad guy. I'm going to walk away. Yeah. Like there, are, there, there are national guardsmen's that that say like literally the guy who's been there the whole time who has participated mm-hmm. in the death game. Yeah. And uh, he has a line where he's like, "This is only a police matter" or something like. He basically yeah. says like, "This jurisdiction, like we were never here. Essentially, yeah. is like we're we're leaving. This is this is police business. I don't want that." And then when the state police get there. And there's they 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 are like oh what's the deal here and they're like oh you know they're throwing some people against the wall and then he's like sounds like you got this covered and they yeah. just, they just bail and it's like there's a bunch of like it's a weird commentary of that that's happening
0: right and, and like again maybe they intended this to be a damning portrait of them but if they did I feel like they just didn't take it far enough like the I don't, I don't know I I felt like the national guardsman was one of those people who had his innate goodness kind of shining through in the way where I thought the film wanted me to root for him. Yeah. And that grossed me out. Like, what are all these people afraid of this? Like 22 year old kid who thinks he's in charge of the police. Like there's so many more of you. You could easily just be like, Hey guys, this is violating all sorts of rules and we need to get out of here. Yeah. But nobody says that.
1: Yeah. And there was more good cops around than bad cops. So like, Worst case scenario you're like mutiny right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that like actually I don't I, I don't know how any uh thing works but I would just assume that National Guards Trump like city
0: police officers I'm I'm pretty sure they do yeah.
1: <laughs> just to, And
0: just in general that I I think even like an insanely racist police officer is not going to pull a gun on another cop, right? Like yeah. They know they can't get away with that. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to criticize the logistics of a true thing that happened. I'm assuming this movie portrayed it in an unrealistic way.
1: Yeah. There, there's also I just earlier, sorry, this will be a bad segue, but I was want to bring up uh, as far as we talk about like people putting things in other people, like words in other people's mouth to communicate the goodness or badness of them. There is, there's a scene where. Where John Boyega takes one of the people who's being like assaulted, basically, into another room. He's like, "Don't worry, like, stop beating him. I'll take him to look for the gun. Let's go." Mm -hmm. And they have a conversation. Like at this point, somebody's already died, and uh, one of the cops involved in that killing, or allegedly, uh, makes the statement like, "Oh, he was going for my gun and Mm -hmm. he shot him." So upstairs, the guy says to John Boyega like. He carries a, you know, whatever caliber shotgun just like yours. And he's like, yeah, so? And he's like, well, you hold that with two hands. How would somebody go for that gun? Mm -hmm. The very next scene, friggin' John Wayne pulls a revolver out of his belt and points it at one of the other guys to intimidate him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, like you're, yeah. you're counteracting the argument. Like the guy's making a statement to say like, well, clearly this defense, this person wouldn't try to steal a gun from an officer who's holding it with two secured hands. Cause mm-hmm. how could you ever get that away? But then he's showing that like, well, if he was trying to hold onto the shotgun, then the gun in his belt would be totally free. Yeah. And it would be very easy to try to take it. <laughs> so it's just like, there's weird things like that where it's characters are making statements to try to give evidence towards whether they're on the good side or the bad side, but it's directly like counteracted by visual things in like things that are there just for the pure image of this intimidating act. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they directly like conflict with each other. Just, it's just the way I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) Any last thoughts, Steven? Steven?
0: No, I think I'm good.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to our verdicts then. If you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
0: I've been debating this is somewhere between wait for rental and recommend with a caveat, largely because I think it is a movie that inspires conversation and is definitely like a very thought-provoking film that pokes at you and makes you respond to it. So I'm going to bump it to uh, recommend with a caveat. I think caveat being, I think it's like a pretty problematic film in terms of how it tries to tell this story. I think it does not do what a film ostensibly based on a real event ought to do, which is either make a grand generalizing point that justifies the fiction or tell it as truthfully as possible. Um, But I do think it, it does bring you in that time and place and gives you a feeling for what happened. And it exposes a story that you probably wouldn't have known about before. Like I I had heard of this incident, but I definitely had never thought about it as deeply as I have after watching the film. Yeah. So I think it's worth it for the craft of filmmaking and the kind of feelings that it'll inspire in you. But I definitely think they could have done a lot better with the source material.
1: Yeah, it it makes me, it sort of made me hope that I, I feel like Lately, we've had things where, within a relatively short amount of time, there was a documentary and a narrative about the same event, yeah. or two narratives about the same event. One maybe more or less accurate than the other. Yeah. But it's like I I wish that this was one of those situations because I want to watch something else about this event so I can try to like deal with like to to think about it more from a standpoint of like what real information can I get about it because. Right. It just feels like a a a narrative film, like mm-hmm. it yeah, so it's just it's it has made me curious. I've read like <laughs> way more things than I normally do, having f- finished a film, mm-hmm. just like trying to find more information about what actually happened and what pieces of information we uh really know, um mm-hmm. so there's that, um, I think for me, it's probably hard wait for rental um mm. just because i don't have like a i feel like it's a thing that people are aware of and might be wanting to seek out and like for me i just i i don't think like if, if i'm honest i didn't i wasn't excited to see this film like when i first saw the trailer uh, like it, it was literally until like two days before we saw it that i realized it was the new katherine bigelow film mm-hmm. i just thought it was like a movie that was coming out and i was kind of like all right, I like. A, I guess I know what this is going to be about. <laughs> like you know, like there was nothing driving me to see it. And then when I realized it's the next film for Catherine Bigelow, I was like, okay, okay cool. Like maybe there'll be something really interesting here. And I think that I struggled a lot with the way the story was being presented to me. And um, for me, it's just it's just hard to recommend because I I just it's found it a frustrating film. Yeah. And I've talked to other people who are not you and myself on this podcast mm-hmm. or or Carson and, and like they expressed um, frustrations as well, sometimes about parts that weren't even the part that I was thinking of, you know, like, so yeah. it's, they're, they're, it will, it, it definitely will inspire conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you don't see this by yourself and end up with no one to talk to because, you'll probably want to talk about it in some way with somebody.
0: But (laughs) if you want to talk about it in some way with someone, you can email us at fans (laughs) at the spoiler warning.com or leave a voicemail. at. No, we don't do the voicemail. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Scratch that. Um, (laughs) but, but yeah, you you can let us know your thoughts on the film. 760-575-4TSW.
1: That's right. That's a number that probably belongs to somebody else now because Google likes to recycle all their voice ma- or their, yeah, their Google voice lines. Anyways. Call them and
0: talk about the riots of Detroit in 1967.
1: <laughs> um, but yes, Stephen Miller. If people want to find you throughout the week and let you know their thoughts on, on Detroit,
0: uh, you can go to twitter.com slash s sdavidmiller or s sdavidmiller.com.
1: People can find me at com or Twitter, twitter.com slash IRL. You can find the podcast over at thespoilthewarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash warning. As Stephen said a few moments ago, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can use uh, the email fans at thespoilthewarning.com or the contact form on our site. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, the film Detroit. Probably so, like
0: one of the Motown songs that yeah, they yeah. sing toward the beginning.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll do one of them Motown songs. Um, But yeah, hopefully you were enjoying that Uh, Yeah, that is This review of Detroit Um, Thank you for joining me, Steven
0: Thanks for having me
1: And thank you guys all for listening We will talk to you next time
0: Bye (laughs)